Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Forest Hills podcast. We exist to see our neighbors from every culture follow Jesus as King. We're glad you're here and thanks for listening. More information about the life and mission of City on a Hill can be found at coahforesthills.org. you. Um, it is it's good to be with you today. I know some of you um, were part of uh, Coa Brookline and came out to help um, plant City on a Hill Forest Hills. And um, it's great to see all of you again. For those of you I don't know, um, it, it's good to meet you as well. It's good to see and check in with Stephen regularly and hear about what's happening in uh, the congregation here. Um, and and just encouraged by what God's doing here. I think uh, I think we're all, all ready for um, post post COVID here soon, where we can see each other's face to face and enjoy that. So I'm I'm excited and praying for what God's going to do through the spring and summer here uh, through your congregation. Uh, you've already heard the scripture from Ephesians chapter six. I want to encourage you to to uh, follow along. We're going to be referring to it a lot. Um, as I preach, we've been uh, going through the book of Ephesians. All four City on a Hill congregations have been walking through it. And today we're, uh, we're looking at a passage on parenting. But uh, it, it, it's a tendency sometimes, and, and I've actually been to some uh, parenting conferences or heard parenting taught on where they just dive right into this text and uh, they, don't, they don't frame it out. This is not, this is not a, a proverb. This is not some just wisdom that's thrown out there in the Bible. The Bible is not a, a book you just open up and go, okay, the word for the Lord for me today is, you know, this, because uh, things are written in context. The, the, the Bible is written intentionally, and the book of Ephesians is written intentionally. The first half of the book, uh, chapters one through three, is about the gospel. That's, that's all it's about, just rooting us in the gospel. Um, and in fact, one very important uh, part of Ephesians 1 says uh, God has adopted us into his family. So we are sons and daughters of God now. So imagine that's the context. So he's rooting us in that. And then uh, chapter 4, 5, 6, he turns and starts focusing on how do we live because of that. And today he's talking about parenting. How do we parent out of the fact that God is now our father in Christ? And so... Um, you know, similar to the message on, uh, on, on marriage last week, if, if you were uh, here, we can't help but think about our own uh, home we were raised in, our parents, right? Uh, how their marriage was. Well, the same thing goes when we think about parenting. Uh, it harkens back to uh, our past, to the family we were raised in, the ways our parents um, were. For some, it was good, good feelings. For others, it was painful, right? It's painful to think about uh, that. The good news is uh, whether you were raised in a godly home or whether you were raised in a very difficult uh, home or situation, uh, the gospel is the same for all of us. Uh, yes, there are some blessings that come with being raised in a good home, but nobody is raised by perfect parents and there are no perfect kids. So uh, we all need the gospel. Um, the opportunity for us today is, is to press into that and to understand more what it means that God is our father and then how do we uh, father or mother our children. One of the challenges to parenting is, uh, as I said, we're all broken, but we also can't help but bring what our parents said into our own parenting. Those of you that are parents, how many of you, without any conscious forethought at all, or intentionality, found yourself, found the words coming out of your mouth that were the exact words your parents said to you as a child. 
right? They, you were like, it just, it's one day. I don't know if they're one, they're three, they're five, whatever it is. All of a sudden, those words just come out of your mouth and you're like, it shocks you a little bit. You're like, where did that come from? Well, you know where it came from, right? It came from mom and, and dad. It's, it can be cute. I, uh, I, my dad, when I was little, uh, my, my sister and I were little, he used to always say if we, you know, we bumped our knee or got a little hurt or whatever, he would say, it's going to get better before you get married. Um, and it was a, it was a cute, odd little saying, you know, basically his little way of saying it's going to get better. Right. Um, and it was funny as I ended up like bringing that on to my kids and it was kind of a cute way of consoling them. And, uh, and right up until my daughter was, uh, getting ready to get married. And then I was like, I have no idea. It may not get better before you get married. Um, but, uh, but sometimes it's, it's cute like that. Maybe you say cute things to your kids is sort of part of your family culture you were raised in. But then there's also things you bring in that are not so cute. They can be damaging. They can be hurtful to your kids. And the biggest struggle, the biggest struggle for us today as parents is that we parents out of our own brokenness. That's the, the struggle. Uh, Jackie Hill Perry said it this way. She said, I'm trying really hard not to parent out of my dysfunction. When I started to go to counseling, I realized that so much of my behaviors and thinking and patterns and responses to pain or trauma or irritation or frustration came out of how I was parented or what I observed. So I go back to the fact that the book of Ephesians is rooted in the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And even parenting today should really, this, this passage should really be called uh, gospel parenting. There's a ton we could say. Um, there's entire books, obviously conferences, really good conferences on, on uh, marriage or in, and parenting that we could talk about. But in particular, I wanted to give you a few books if you're interested in reading more. One uh, by Paul David Tripp. Uh, called Parenting 14 Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. I think Tripp's probably the leading Christian expert on, on parenting. Um, then, uh, actually, weirdly, an older brother of his uh, wrote a book 25 years ago called Shepherding a Child's Heart. Uh, that's still a great classic. I read it when, I, uh, when my kids were smaller. Another one, Give Them uh, Grace, Dazzling Your Kids with the Love of Jesus. This is about how you shape your kids with grace. And then finally, Habits of a Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Rhythms, uh, Family Rhythms by Justin Whitley Early. Uh, that's very practical. It's going to tell you, put the, it's going to give you some habits and practices you can put right, right away instantly. And it's not going to be like, hey, here's a 700 page catechism you could teach your children. You know, like, I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. But you eat with your kids and you do other things. You put your kids to bed. So he's going to bring some rhythms and practices there that can be super helpful. And there's tons of videos, uh, Paul David Tripp's videos, and then articles on the website, the Gospel Coalition. If you just type in parenting, they have an entire list of really good articles, all the way down to parenting kids with special needs and uh, things like that. Now, I know all of you parents are going to go home right away and you're going to buy these books. You're going to watch all the videos and, and read all the blogs because you have plenty of time, right? I mean, that's, that's one thing parents seem to universally have, right? Um, so I'd say don't be burdened by this. Uh, number one, there's no perfect parents. You're not going to be the first. Uh, number two, it's more about the journey, than, uh, a long journey, than it is about getting all the knowledge and information you need. I, I, I have friends who, uh, this is just their personality, very type A. They found out they were going to be parents. They went and read 47 books on parenting. I'm like, that's not helpful. You're going to need that in about five years. But it's more about the journey and gaining insight as you need it, as you, as you work through it. 
And I think I would remind us all in the middle of this um, that parenting is as much about your journey as a follower of Jesus as it is about your child's journey of growing into a, a fully formed follower of Jesus adult, right? You need to remember you're God's child and you don't have it all together and therefore it's important for you to be walking with the Lord and, and growing in the gospel as well. And that reminds us, this text is really pushing us towards what it means um, to, to the, what the purpose of parenting really is. I've met parents who I would swear the unspoken purpose of their parenting is to make their kids dependent on them. Like if you were to just observe them, their goal seems to be, I want my child to depend on me for everything. And, and that even carries into adulthood, unfortunately, as I see cases like that, right? Um, that's not the purpose of parenting. And your purpose of parenting is not to get your child to like you. Now, hopefully they do, and, uh, but there are going to be points where they don't. If you're, if you're a good parent, your child won't like you at some point. Keep in mind the purpose, and I just said it, but the purpose of parenting in the gospel as a Christian is to raise a fully formed follower of Jesus who can, who's independent and capable as an adult, right? That they, they can be a, a healthy adult, part of society for the glory of God uh, and for the good of their neighbors. And so the, the gospel is not some random advice for parenting, but the very core at what it means uh, to parent. And I would say one other thing. I know we have parents, obviously, across the room, but uh, there's others of you that are single, others of you that are married without kids. And I know you're sitting here thinking, I wish I hadn't come to church today. This message is not for me. Um, well, two things. Uh, one, um, you might be a parent someday. Always good to start early. It's like marriage last week. I told, I told Brookline, you don't want to wait until you get married to start knowing what marriage is about, right? You want to know ahead of time. You want to lay a good groundwork. So as a single person, as a married person, if you hope to have kids someday, or even maybe if you're not sure, um, you want to prepare. But secondly, there's such a lie in the church in our, and even in our culture to a degree that single people and married people have, have nothing to say to people with children. That they should just mind their own business, keep their nose out of all of it. And I'm not recommending like inserting yourself but it, it, it kind of, defi- that logic defies what it means that we're a Christian community. Would you, if it, let's think about your family, your brother, like blood brothers, sisters, you, say you had a big, healthy, close family. Would you look at your single sister who was trying to help you and walk with you and encourage you and support you while you were parenting your children? You'd say, mind your own business. No, you would see it as a gift, wouldn't you? You'd see it as a gift to have a, a sister who, who loves you and, and loves your kids, right? And wants to be there and walk with you. And maybe even call you out from time to time, right? Right? That's a gift to have somebody who loves you enough to say, hey, you know, I, I'm just telling you, it looked like you kind of lost it with your kids in that moment. Like went way beyond parenting, loving, and just got angry at them. Like, you know, I want someone around me. I needed people around me, and I had people around me who could call me out like that. One of the reasons you, do, you guys do a parent-child dedication, and the, one of the reasons we do it in Brookline as well, um, is for the community to come together and affirm, hey, we are, we're, this isn't, <laughs> the ch- parent-child dedication isn't, good luck, parents, we're praying for you, right? 
It is, we as a community are going to walk with you. We're going to care for you. We're going to support you. We're going to love your kids. We're going to speak the gospel to your kids. And we want to see them grow and mature in Christ. Um, a, couple of, a couple of commands that Paul gives out of what I just said. And, I, and I, they're short, but I wanted us to, to set them up well. Um, the first one is, is children learn to honor God by honoring their parents. This is what he's really trying to say in this uh, verse, verse one uh, through uh, one through three, I guess. Um, one through three. A child's relationship with his parents or her parents is the context for them to understand who God is and the authority of God in their life. That means... Uh, the message is to children, and I'll talk about that more in a moment. The, the uh, children, when you disrespect, disobey, dishonor your parents, you are dishonoring God. And that's important, right? Some of you might think, well, that, that kind of crushes them, right? That could, that, could, that could crush a child. You're loading them up with not just guilt of, of letting you down, but like this idea that they failed God. No, no, no. That's, that's legalism. We're Christians. We walk in the gospel. So you, as much as you would talk to them about that, like, hey, you just, you know, the Bible teaches here that because you treated me poorly, God saw that. And, and, and it's important that you respect me because God wants you to. Um, and so, but you teach it in the context of grace. You teach it in the context of the gospel. It's interesting that Paul addresses children directly. The presence of children in the context of the church at that time, the Ephesian congregation, um, was a bit weird. Uh, in, in that culture, children weren't included in these types of things in the same way, part, but they were seen as part of the Christian church. This means that Sundays, when we do uh, co-kids, co-kids is not, uh, is not a babysitting service. It's about investing in the, the children of this community. It's about sowing the gospel into them. It's about helping to make little disciples of Jesus, right? So therefore, if you volunteer to serve in that, you're not volunteering to, to fill a slot. You're not volunteering for child care. I mean, at a base level, yes, you're caring for a child. But it goes beyond that. We're not, we're not pulling the kids out of the service to go, let's, let's get them out of here. They're distracting. Let's just keep them busy and, uh, so we can do the adult stuff here. No, we're, we're taking them into a context where, where they can be discipled more directly. Paul says very clearly, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, what he's, what he's saying in this, and, and he goes on because the, the, the scripture says, honor your father and mother. What he's giving is a command in the base, uh, a command rooted uh, in an Old Testament, or an application rooted in an Old Testament command. Sorry, let's get that right. It's an application rooted in an Old Testament command. This application is a general principle for kids. Obey your parents. But the, the underlying command is to honor your father and mother, which was one of the Ten Commandments, um, if you're aware of that. To obey your parents um, is a huge, huge part of what it means to honor your parents. But what Paul is addressing here is not children in general, because I think everyone in here qualifies as a child of somebody, right? Um, does that mean I'm supposed to obey my, my 85-year-old, 79-year-old mom, uh, dad and mom? No, not in the same way. This word children is for children who are living in the home under the authority of parents. So, but this is an application for them. The bigger command, honor your father and mother, is still binding on, on me. 
But let's talk about why children should obey their parents. Is, is Paul being harsh here? Is he's like, listen, you know, you should just keep your kids in line. No. What he's teaching is that a very basic understanding of honor your father and mother as children is obeying them. How in the world can you honor your father and mother if you don't start as a child with even the concept of listening to them and obeying them and what they tell you to do? I'll say this as clearly as I can as as a parent and, and based on this text. If you let your children disobey, dishonor, and disrespect you on a consistent basis, you're teaching your child that it's okay to dishonor, disrespect, and disobey God. You are. It is. There's, there's no way around it. You're creating a culture where the one person that they get to see or two people they get to see and know and walk with on a daily basis who are representing the one being who's over the entire universe and you're, you basically allow them on a consistent basis to treat you poorly. It's a dangerous thing because you're teaching your child to not take God seriously. Listen, before your child knows... Listen, before your child knows there's a God who rules and reigns over the universe, they know there's a mommy and daddy who have authority in the house. Good authority. And I I know in our culture, there's this whole idea that all authority is evil. It's not. You know what a culture with no authority is? Anarchy. There is good authority. Because, and the reason we as Christians know that is because God is good. God doesn't use his authority to crush us. He doesn't use his authority to destroy us. He doesn't use his authority to hurt us. It is for our good. So as a parent, we model that to our kids of going, I have responsibility in this home and you are responsible to me, but my authority is a good authority. I would ask my kids when they were little, sometimes when when they would uh, have a little disagreement and they had disobeyed me and I had to discipline them, I would say, you know, daddy loves you, right? Yes. And you know, daddy is for you, right? Yes. Now they didn't like me in the moment, but you know, what's always was interesting is shortly after that discipline, they would just come right back to that baseline of knowing daddy loves them and daddy is for them. And over time it formed them to understand as scripture teaches in the book of of Deuteronomy and then in the book of Hebrews as well, God, the father disciplines us for our good. So there's a call here. Um, so how do we obey our children? Or how do we obey our children? How do we uh, teach our children to obey? Uh, three, three simple ways, I, uh, um, or some ways that uh, I've already spoken about. Uh, framing out and teaching them uh, that obeying you means respecting God and honoring God and beginning early. Because you're, they're not going to understand that the first time, right? They're not going to know that, but you're framing that out. You're building that in. You're rooting them in that. So then how do, parent, how, do we honor God, how do we honor our parents in general? Because this is a command that Paul pulls back from the Old Testament and he puts right here in the gospel as well. So we're all adults in here. How do you honor your parents as an adult? Uh, I think there's three, three ways we can do that throughout their lifetime. The first is respect. Now, I know for a fact that, that uh, there are plenty of parents that aren't worthy of respect. But... As a Christian, we're still called to honor our father and mother, even if they don't deserve it. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you you defer to them. It doesn't mean that uh, somehow that you you treat them with a level of respect that they uh, 
that uh, as if they had been fantastic parents, but there's a baseline level. And I would argue this, why do you treat your parents with respect, even if they're not worthy of it? Because of who you are, not because of who they are. Because of who you are in Christ, you are able to treat your parents with a base level of respect. Um, and you do have to figure that out. I realize that uh, even interacting with some parents is, is extremely difficult. Um, but figuring out what that looks like to respect your parents. Speak well of them. And what I mean in that context is not uh, to not uh, be in constant criticism of your parents. That doesn't mean you can't talk about what your parents did wrong or... Yeah, you need to work through that. You need help. But there's a line between uh, working that out and then just reinforcing that narrative in your mind and your heart all the time. And I would argue if you are talking about it all the time, what that's doing is reinforcing it in your own heart. Um, and you probably need to, to work through that. And then finally, and this is, this is hard but super important, is to provide for your parents as they get older. I believe that that means helping helping them, right? Right, taking on some responsibility, emotionally supporting them, even financially supporting them. They did you and me, right? Um, and, and I would say again, even if your parents didn't care for you, um, don't use this as an excuse to write them off. You know, we, we follow a God that says, even love your enemies, right? Pray for those who persecute you. And so, th- there's a way for you as a Christian, again, to to try to uh, provide for them. You know what's sad is uh, back in, I pastored in Kentucky for 14 years, and there were rest homes, um, there were a rest home in the community that we would go do a service at, our church, short service on Sunday afternoon, three or four, well, it was about every other month, so maybe five or six times a year. And then uh, I had a woman in my church who, who worked at that rest home. Uh, she just worked in like activities or something. And I remember talking to her and I remember observing on my own and we, we talked about this a lot over the years. There were people there whose family never came to see them. Ever. And I don't care if someone is in a, a vegetative state in a rest home. If that's your mom or dad, you should at least try to find a way to honor them and respect them, Right? Um, to, to provide for them. And if that means only going in uh, for the sake of, of uh, respecting their personhood, then, you know, that's something that I, I think Christians should take seriously. Secondly here, so, so children are, are, are to obey their parents and Lord because they're teaching, they're understanding the authority of God through the authority of their parents. Secondly, fathers, and Paul says fathers, but he's really saying fathers and mothers are to make disciples of their children. Now he says fathers here because in, uh, in the previous passage on marriage, he said father, uh, men are the head of their families. There's a role kind of as a, a sort of um, little shepherd, if you will, of their family. They have a responsibility for that. Um, but wives also have a responsibility as well. There's two extremes in our culture when it comes to parents' approach to the kids, uh, to their kids. One is, and I've seen these, the kids are the center of the home. What they want, where they go, everything they do, whatever their wishes are, the entire family oriented schedule, time, focus, energy around them. That's idolatry. It's idolatry and does not make for healthy kids. Why? Because they grow up thinking everyone arranges their schedule. Everyone 
wants to get in on my story because I am the center of everything. If you teach your child that along the way there's little sacrifices for each other. Today we're going to do what daddy wants to do. And I know it's not your favorite thing, sweetie, but we're all going to go do this. You teach your child they're part of something bigger. Right? You teach them that they have a part in the family. And this includes you know, um, helping with family chores and things like that, responsibility. So the, the one extreme is children are the center of the home, like little idols that the parents worship. And then the other side is that kids are just an inconvenience or a hobby you have in your life. And I've seen this as well, where people completely outsource their, 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 uh, basically the raising of their children. I mean, they, 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 there are people who, who have the means to be able to do it and their kids are, 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 are not just in daycare or have a nanny all the time, but then like activities or someone else taking them. There's always someone else involved in their lives. The parents aren't there enough. The parents aren't involved enough. Parents are taking trips. They're going places. They're not uh, present with their kids. So Paul's warning, uh, Paul here gives us a warning and two commands. The warning is do not provoke your children to anger. You have to understand the context. This, again, is why Paul referred to fathers here, not fathers and mothers in particular. Because fathers had absolute power in their family in the Roman world at this time. You have to understand, when we say absolute power, you, you can't even get your mind around. There's no parent in America that has the power of a Roman father at that time. They could sell their kids as slaves. They could make them work in the fields, even in chains. They could take the law into their own hands and bring corporal or even capital punishment to their own child. This power of the Roman father extended over the entire life of the child. So there's nothing parallel to this in our culture, which is why Paul, Paul is saying fathers, right? But he's really, because our culture now, fathers have come down off of this basically authoritarian uh, level and have become in the home parents, uh, equal parents with the mother. Um, There is a responsibility as head of the family, but the parenting is really falls to both of them. Uh, The gospel introduced a fresh element into the parenting responsibility. I know this is crazy for us to think about, but it's actually the well-being of the child. This is, I know, we're like, well, duh, yes. But, but you have to understand, this came out of the gospel. This didn't come out of that culture. It came out of the gospel that a father would not, and mother, would not parent in a way to exasperate their child, to frustrate their child, that they would do it in a way that, that helps that child to grow in their well-being. Now, how do parents exasperate their kids? And especially in relation to discipline here, there's two, two extremes. Obviously, there's over-discipline, right? That crushes the spirit of a child. Punishing a child over an honest, childish mistake will crush a child. You, 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 uh, a, a child who... Um, punishing a child for not meeting your expectations, right? You, you, did, you got a B? That's ridiculous, Right? And like, like lashing out at them, punishing them because they, they didn't meet some sense of expectation in your mind. Withholding. Some people, this leads to withholding affection from a child when they failed you. This is a very un- emotionally unhealthy parent, but they will literally withhold affection from their child because they failed them. This can lead to, and then there's, there's obviously physical and verbal abuse. These lead to anxiety, anger, and exasperation in children. And they carry it through their entire lives as some of you can attest to. That's over-discipline. Under-discipline is not loving your child enough to shape their character and correct them when they're wrong. 
some modern parenting philosophy say, never tell your child no, right? Don't tell your child no, because you'll crush their spirit. No, you will teach them where the boundaries are in life, which is a good thing. Because listen, you will either teach them where the boundaries are in life or life will teach them where the boundaries are. And it will be a lot harder lesson when they're 17 years old or 22 years old and they run up against the edge of life and life pushes back. You teach them healthy uh, boundaries. But some parents don't want to do that. They want their child to like them. That's That's a horrible thing too. When you need your child to affirm you, that's about you, not your child. That's pointing to a deficiency in you. You need, to, you need to work on that. You need to get some help for that so that you can tell your child not no and not be crushed when they go, oh, I hate you, right? Listen, have you ever, when you've gotten frustrated, ever said anything like that? Sure you have, at God, at life, whatever. Does it mean that, that in that moment you weren't getting exactly what you needed? No. So there's going to be times we're going to frustrate our child in the moment. That's not what this text is saying. What this text is telling us is that we, we, uh, we neither over-discipline nor under-discipline our child. We're helping to make our ch- children disciples of Jesus. And there were times where Jesus rebuked his disciples, didn't he? I would say, keep this in mind. Don't try to be a better parent than God. A lack of discipline on one's hand points to a God who doesn't care how people behave. Over-discipline, on the other hand, points to a God who's not loving and kind and compassionate and delights in his children. And I, I would say this in particular. There were periods in my, in my kids' lives that uh, they're... they're uh, 20, uh, get, get their ages right. They keep changing. Uh, they're 23 and 20 right now. <laughs> um, 23 and 20, oldest one's married, actually expecting my, my grandchild, um, which I'm super excited about this summer. Um, also, uh, makes me feel really old, but, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, the, the thing I remember is along the way, there were points where my child, my children did not like me and we had to discipline them on a consistent basis. But undercurrent of, of our whole relationship was, was this loving, compassionate delight in them. My kids knew and they would testify to you. They knew I was for them. So then even in the moments they didn't feel like that and they didn't like it, when they came out of that, they always would look back and they would testify to you today. They knew that even those moments, I was for them more than they were. Now, disciplining your kids can be difficult, hard. (laughs) I think it's the hardest thing to do as a parent. Why? Because it takes two things, time and consistency. Time. Listen, I know it's easier to just let your kids go at some points. It is. It's easier to just ignore it, redirect, uh, act like it didn't happen, um, whatever it might be. And it isn't enjoyable, right? Any parent who's like, I just love disciplining my kids. I'm calling the police on them. I never enjoyed a moment of discipline with my kids, right? And so I think keeping that in mind yourself, that it takes time, it's not enjoyable, but I will argue this. If you, if you will take the time to do it, it builds out, it pays dividends the older a child gets. Um, and then consistency. There are moments 
Listen, I, that doesn't mean 100%. I'm not even recommending even close. I'm, I think if you can hold 85 to 90% of the time, which means there's moments where you're going to let it go. You're just going to let it go. You're in the line at Chick-fil-A with 7,000 other cars, and one of the kids is just chucking junk at you. Everything they get their hands on in the back seat, they're chunking at your head, they're throwing at their sibling or whatever, and they're screaming their head off the entire time. Not time to stop the car. Take your seatbelt out, get it around, climb into the back seat, and have a conversation. Right? You're going to let some of those go, which means, by the way, when you let those goes go, the other times you've got to be consistent and take the time to do it. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. How do you do this? Uh, practically, I'm going to give you, and literally no comment on them, but four things. Speak of Christ often in your home. You want your children to become fully formed followers of Jesus? Speak often of Christ in your home. Not just on Sundays, not just when you're going to community group, not just when a problem comes. Help them to think through the lens of Jesus. All of life is for Jesus. Secondly, go after your child's heart more than you go after their behavior. So sometimes you just got to correct their behavior, but the real goal is you're helping them to understand why they're acting that way. And I can tell you this today, my 20 and 23 year old are way better at introspection and reflecting on their behavior than I was till I was probably 35 or 40. And it's because we taught them to think about why they did something wrong and not just that they really wanted to do it. Um, Thirdly, model what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is really convicting. You should want your child to walk with Jesus like you do. Which means if they never see you open your Bible, don't expect them to ever want to open their Bibles. If they never see you pray, then don't be surprised if they never want to pray. And fourthly here, immerse yourself in Christian community. We need support. Your child needs it too. I would argue this. I planted City on a Hill Church Brookline when my kids were six and or seven and ten. Seven and ten. Pulled them, took them from Kentucky, moved them up here, spent a year and a half planting, planted City on a Hill. We had no fam- no children in the church. Most people go, this is a recipe for your children to like go off the deep end. No. We immersed them in that church. They served. They, you know who their friends were? This is funny. They had friends at school that were their age, but you know who their friends were? The 20-somethings that helped plant the church. <laughs> it was crazy. I remember the night that a couple from the church, who became, he became one of our first elders, came over for dinner. And at the end of dinner, uh, Teresa and I, my wife and I, looked at uh, the kids and said, hey, you guys go in the other, t- other room, watch a, watch a show maybe. Uh, we just want to talk with, with Joel and Paige a bit. Um, and uh, you know what my kids did? They're our friends too. <laughs> and it was true because through the entire dinner, they had been having conversations with them. By the way, this also teaches your children to be around adults, which is sad. Some children are growing up in context now where they don't interact with any adults except their parents and maybe a school teacher. But in church, you have an opportunity to immerse them in community. So the ultimate hope, I'm going to close in in prayer. The ultimate hope that you and I have today is not that we're going to kill this. We're not. We're going to fail. Even as a friend, a a single person who's a friend to somebody else, you're not going to do that perfectly, right? To a parent, you're not going to. but, But through the gospel, the power of the gospel, as we press in to this, as we love each other, serve each other, and we seek to raise our children, these children, and make disciples of Jesus the way that Paul outlined in this passage, something beautiful happens.
called grace. God takes our imperfect efforts and does beautiful things. My, my, I have two grown children. We've, we had, uh, had a, a real challenging couple of years with one of them. But I'll say this, everything we had done leading up to those years led to everything that came out of that two years later. And you know what really served, the, served her during that time? It was our, our church. We had some other leaders, some other people in the church coming alongside her, walking with her, caring for her. And so I want to encourage you today. You're not perfect. You're not going to get it right. But Jesus is good. 